After School Special Podcast. After School Special Podcast. After School Special Podcast. After School Special Podcast. Latchkey kids and broken homies, welcome to the After School Special Podcast. Today we have a special episode for you. Solely me, one of your many leaders in regards to latchkey kid-dumb and broken homie-dumb. Today we are going to discuss a little company. There has been documentaries based around this. There has been a TV show, a lackluster TV show made in response to Blockbuster and trying to hone in on our nostalgia, which we all know Hollywood doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. And today we are talking about Blockbuster Video. At its peak in the late 90s, Blockbuster owned over 9,000 video rental stores in the United States, employed 84,000 people worldwide, and had 65 million registered customers. Once valued as a $3 billion company, in just one year, Blockbuster earned $800 million in late fees alone. Blockbuster Video, wow! Maybe hard to sympathize with the company that got away with charging $4.99 to rent VHS copies of Jumpin' Jack Flash back in the day and imposed late fees that even loan sharks would find excessive, but this really is the end of an era. Back in 2004, Blockbuster had 9,000 locations, but then Netflix came along and turned the rental industry on its head. The second-to-last Blockbuster store in Australia announced it will close this month, which means there will only be one store left in the world. Yes, the last Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, will remain open, and the manager says they have no plans of closing. So that's pretty cool. It's like outliving everyone in your family. Blockbuster Video, an American-based provider of home video and video game rental services, services were offered primarily at video rental shops, but later alternatives including DVD by mail, streaming, video on demand, and cinema theater. Previously operated by Blockbuster Entertainment, the company expanded internationally throughout the 90s, and that was at its peak, was 2004. Blockbuster consisted of over 90,000 stores and employed approximately 84,000 people, 58,000 in the United States and almost 30,000 in other countries. Poor leadership and the impact of the Great Recession, which I think in reality, the Great Recession did have something to do with it. I'm assuming they're meaning the 2008 recession. Blockbuster's decline and with the growing competition from Netflix, Video On Demand, Redbox, you saw a significant loss of revenue. So... The last franchise that is still open, which is now technically, I guess, an Airbnb. When I read last read up on it, that people are allowed to stay there over the night, which, I, no offense, I don't want to sleep in a blockbuster video. I'll go visit, but it is located in Bend, Oregon. I guess they are just trying to stay alive because, you know, they're the last ones. I guess that's the only feature going there other than renting videos. So 
Let me discuss my story in regards to Blockbuster Video. I didn't get a membership until I think I was 18, 19. I decided to get a membership at Blockbuster Video. Now, I'll be honest with you. I was a Hollywood Video guy. And then also just other independent video stores. My brother worked at Hollywood Video, so I was able to utilize him to get new movies that no one else could get beforehand. He would bring them home. He would bring home candy, popcorn, delicious treats all the time then one day i think he had quit and started working at a brewery because you know being an adult got to do it at some point so i remember going into the blockbuster this was getting to the point i think maybe it was 2004 because they had stopped with uh late fees and i had rented a couple videos because at the time i was movie crazy i was going to be going to school for film and I thought the more movies I watched, the better. But then I also realized I could do the same thing and go to the library and not have to pay anything. I think that, my friends, is more of the downfall of Blockbuster. So let us start at the very beginning. Blockbuster Video's beginnings can be traced back to one person, David Cook, who opened up the first Blockbuster in 1985. He was able to get the funding and the money after working in computer software, which was mostly for oil and gas companies, but it wasn't as successful as he thought. I mean, he was able to make some money, and Sandy Cook, David's wife, wanted to get into the video business. Now, at the time, most video businesses were small mom-and-pop places, and they did have pornography sections, pornography, which in turn, that's why a lot of people didn't go to movie rental places. A lot of movie rental places, to start off, were just porn stores you could go grab the new bang bros or you know grandma eating porridge or um sniffing a bear's ass video and maybe pick up three men and a baby so a lot of people didn't go, <laughs> go to those places and cook decided to create his own using profit he made from the sale of his company david p cook and associates a subsidiary of his company he decided to buy into a video store franchise in dallas known as video works when video works would not allow him to decorate the interior of his store a blue and yellow design he departed the franchise and opened the first blockbuster video in 1985 under his own company Blockbuster Video, Inc. When he realized the potential in video rentals, Cook abandoned the oil industry and began franchising the Blockbuster stores. Now, mind you, I don't think he had the same idea or concept as some of the people that end up coming into the business, Blockbuster, that give him this concept, more or less Ray Cock, Ray Cock, Ray Cack, uh, Ray Crocs model of expansion, which is to franchise, franchise, franchise these motherfuckers out. Um, the first Blockbuster store opened October 19th, 1985 in Dallas, Texas, with an inventory of 8,000 VHS and 2,000 beta tapes. Do you know what beta tapes is? Anyone? Nope, and you probably never will. But VHS won the day. The chain's name is derived from the term blockbuster, a Hollywood term for a successful film or literature terminology. You know, a blockbuster, um, like Aliens, Terminator. That's basically what he got it from. Cook experience with managing huge databases for his original industry that he was in was one of the driving forces for the industry, the barcode. He was able to 
bring in more and more inventory via renting with barcode. He was then able to build a $6 million warehouse in Garland, Texas to help sustain and support future growth that allowed new stores to open quickly. So he already had in mind that he wanted multiple stores, but what was the push that was needed in order to get over that point? So with that being said, Blockbuster would also often custom tailor a store's inventory to its neighborhood based on local demographics. In 1987, waste management, now mind you, I didn't know that waste management was an actual business, but I guess it is. I thought maybe it was just a staple, you know, like a part of government in a sense, and I am an idiot for not knowing that. Co-founder Wayne Yuzeng, who originally had reservations about entering the video rental industry, agreed to acquire several Blockbuster stores. At that time, there were 19 stores attracting Huizanga's associate John Mellick's attention due to efficiency, family-friendly, no-porn image, and business model. That's right. Blockbuster never housed porn, but there were a lot of other video stores that did. And does anyone remember usually what the setup was? It was these like little beads or rice, like not rice, just beads hanging down. Urban Outfitters-esque, very bohemian type style. And then you open that up and all of a sudden you just see one big dong or two ginormous boobies and then vaginas. That's right. I'm seven. But I always remember, like, even if you came near it, there was always some clerk and you're like, don't think about it. And I'm like, well, what's back there? You know what's back there, sinner. <laughs> and so with Amalek's attention drawn on these blockbusters, they were able to utilize what I had explained earlier, Ray's crock model of expansion rapidly, which was franchising these stores out. And a new store was opening every 24 hours. Can you imagine a blockbuster going up on each corner and just see it popping up, popping up, popping up? They took over many of existing blockbuster franchise stores, and Huzanga spent much of the late 1980s acquiring several of the blockbuster's rivals, including Major Video. Also, as Blockbuster was trying to get more into the video game business, as they could see the expansion being very fruitful for them and advantageous, Nintendo, in 1989, attempted to halt Blockbuster's ability to rent video games, filing multiple lawsuits lobbying the U.S. Congress to ban the practice. Nintendo ultimately lost a battle, which paved the way for future video game rentals. So what happened in the past was that these companies would buy the rights to these videos, and then you would have them in your store, and you would rent them, and you're buying them for a lot of money. At the time, if you wanted to buy a VHS when VHSs were first coming out, especially of movies that you could no longer see in theaters, they were expensive. So what ended up happening was these video rental places were able to purchase a lot of these, rent them out, because you could rent videos over and over and over again. So you can kind of make back your money, but the late fees, the late fees were what did it. We'll be right back. Hey babies, you're liking the show? Well, thanks. Leave a five-star rating and a comment, please. Do you want to see the guys' faces? Well, they got YouTube videos. It comes out every Wednesday before the episode comes out on Friday. 
You can watch this podcast on any major platform you listen to. Rate five stars and comment. Thanks, babies. And so, in 1990, Blockbuster bought mid-Atlantic rival Errol's, which had more than 250 stores. So, Blockbuster's just buying up and acquiring more and more inventory, more and more stores, mom and pops. So, it's kind of like the Blockbuster eating itself, more or less. They're putting their stuff out there so much, not only destroying the competition, and then other things start popping up to take its place. So as we continue on with the Blockbuster story, Blockbuster's doing good. They're doing great. The 90s are killing it. The original Blockbuster, Blockbuster Video Inc., was merged into a parent company, Blockbuster Entertainment Inc., which had earlier replaced the Blockbuster Entertainment Company. In 1996, Blockbuster Entertainment merged into a Blockbuster Entertainment Corp. retail stores, then called Blockbuster Video. They were just solely named Blockbuster. Around this time, as Blockbuster was heading to Fort Lauderdale, that's right, Florida, the penis of America, the big old swinging dick, the original owner, David Cook, decided to leave the company. With that in turn, we get into the John Antiaco. In June 1997, Taco Bell president John Antiaco resigned from the company to become CEO of Blockbuster. So you're leaving a place where usually food that makes you shit your brains out into videos. I don't really see that, you know, poop and videos. Well, then you're getting back into porn. Also, that year, Warner Brothers offered Antico an exclusive rental deal, seeing as DVDs were emerging as the new home video medium. So at the time of VFDs, Blockbuster was to have rights to rent new DVD releases for a period of time before they went on sale to the general public. The studio was to receive 40% of rental revenues in return, which is unheard of, which was the same deal already in place for VHS rentals. Blockbuster turned the offer down. My God, I just read that. Okay, so VHS rentals, the price that you were getting for those, uh, 40%, they decided to turn down the DVD wholesale price in order to complete with the rental industry. Walmart seized the opportunity in a few years surpassed Blockbuster as the studio's single largest source of revenue. Other mass retailers soon followed suit. Many began selling DVDs below wholesale price in hopes of selling more items with better profit margins as a result of the additional foot traffic in their stores. Unable to match the prices, Blockbuster's business model was severely affected. That is one of the first mistakes Blockbuster made under the Antiaco, whatever, Taco Bell John. There we go. In late 1998, Blockbuster launched a loyalty program called Blockbuster Rewards, which I remember this. This was still going on when I had gotten a cord that allowed customers to earn free rentals, including one older title each month from the category of Blockbuster's favorites. After the 1998 test launch, the chain went nationwide with the program in 1999. In August the same year, Viacom sold the Blockbuster music chain to Warehouse Entertainment, which was subsequently purchased by Trans World Entertainment in 2003, TWE. In mid-2000, the company partnered with Enron. Okay, so this is unbelievable to me because 
two things here. One, they did make a mistake in the video on demand because what had happened was the original agreement was supposed to last 20 years. However, Enron terminated the deal in 2001 over fears that Blockbuster would not be able to provide sufficient films for the service. This is the same year that Enron filed bankruptcy, and we all know who Enron is and how they swindled shareholders. But yeah, Blockbuster Video was in cahoots with them for a little bit, but I actually thought that Blockbuster had ended the partnership, but Enron did. And then Enron also filed for bankruptcy that year, which then in turn, everything started coming out of the fact that they weren't as solid as most companies were. And the other thing too is, as I look more and more into Enron, it's an American energy commodities and service. It's similar to, it's not similar to hedge funds, but if it's not even the same thing and what they're doing to us now. Also, in 2000, Blockbuster turned down a chance to purchase the fledgling Netflix. This was a massive mistake on their end. Now, just to talk about uh, Netflix a little bit, the Netflix founder, Reed Hastings, Hastings said he had founded Netflix because he did not want to pay the $40 fine he acquired at Blockbuster. Ooh. That burns. In its early stages, Hastings Company, which had no late fees, would send DVDs straight to your house for a flat monthly rate. And their library was massive. Now, mind you, I don't know if they still do this. I don't think people DVDs from Netflix anymore. And if you do, let me know in the comments if that's still a thing. I remember renting the most random movies. I remember that's how I first saw Old Boy, a bunch of Miyazaki movies and cartoons, and then also just going to the library. In its early stages, Hastings Company, which had no late fees, would send DVDs straight to me. But in 2000, Blockbuster made the first mistake that would mark its demise. The company decided not to buy Netflix. Blockbuster considering buying the popular Netflix service for $50 million, but the company decided not to make the purchase. Netflix went on to become even more popular and profitable than Blockbuster. As we progress into this timeline, we are starting to see kinks in the armor. In 2002, Blockbuster's other big competitor, Redbox, launched. Redbox, I've only rented one movie from Redbox, and I will never do it again. It was the, and the fact that they're still around, I guess good for them, but this was another nail in the coffin of Blockbuster. Now you could go to a Walmart, you could go to your Kroger's or your Radies or your CVS, CVA, whatever store you have that you buy your shit from, you could go and rent a movie. So you're getting, you know, all the stuff for dinner and then you got dessert and then you could get a movie as well. It's crazy. But now with streaming services... As we progress, we'll see more and more of the demise of Blockbuster. But Redbox, addition to the market, reinforced the idea that people wanted quicker rental options with no late fees. So Blockbuster had to make a change. Despite the rise of Netflix and Redbox, Blockbuster was at its peak in 2004. That year, Blockbuster had 9,000 stores globally, and it earned $5.9 billion in revenue, a lot of that from late fees. But the company started making major changes in the early 2000s that would ultimately lead to its downfall. 
In 2004, Viacom parted ways with Blockbuster the same year the company launched Blockbuster Online, but it was already years behind Netflix. At the time, Blockbuster decided to end late fees. In 2004, it was estimated that it would cost the company $200 million to stop collecting late fees and another $200 million to start the new venture, Blockbuster Online, according to Harvest Business Review article by former CEO John Antico. From 2003 to 2005, the company lost, ooh, and this is rough, lost 75% of its market value. So imagine you're having to close store after store after store. They branched out so much. It's the same thing that's happening with Subway right now. And people don't want to eat fake yoga mat bread. But at least with Blockbuster, they were able to offer, I don't know, some form of entertainment where Subway is just trying to force feed you fake food or manufactured food, allegedly. Like I said, from 2003 to 2005, the company lost 75% of its market value, Forbes reported. But at the same time, they were trying to do a hostile takeover of Hollywood Video, its major U.S. competitor, also where my brother worked. After several extensions of the tender offer, Blockbuster withdrew due to FTC opposition. To counter the Blockbuster offer, Hollywood Video agreed to a buyout in January 2005 by a smaller competitor, the Alabama-based movie gallery. And you also have stuff like Family Video. Family Video in Michigan was very popular, but now they all just sell CBD and nightmares. In May 2005, financer Carl Eichen waged a successful proxy fight to add himself and two other members to the board. Eichen accused Blockbuster of overpaying chairman and CEO John F. Antioco, who had served in the capacity since 1997, receiving $51 million. Egan was also at odds with Antigo on how to revive profit at Blockbuster. Now, mind you, you have too many cooks in the kitchen. It's just all going to get muddled down. And we're coming into the end, or at least bankruptcy, the James Keyes era. A billion-dollar campaign called Total Access was introduced in 2007 as a strategy against Netflix. The Blockbuster Online customers would rent a DVD online and rent a new movie for free when they returned it at a Blockbuster store. While it was a major success, every free movie cost the company $2. But the hope was that it would attract enough subscribers to cover the loss. As Netflix felt threatened and Netflix CEO Reed Hastings approached Antioco with a suggestion to buy Blockbuster's online business. In return, a new system would be introduced where customers could return their movies to a Blockbuster store before the deal could be realized. Board member Carl Icahn intervened, refusing to let the company lose more money through total access. Tico was pushed out in July, so the last hope for Blockbuster was more or less pushed out because of ego and pride. Thank you, James Keyes. He rejected Hastings' proposal, raised the price of the online DVD rentals, and put an end to the free movie deal. As consequence, Blockbuster's online previously massive gross and growth quickly stopped. Antigo's departure reportedly also involved continued controversy over his compensation. He left with a $24.7 million severance package. Man, I want to be a shareholder of something. Can I be a shareholder of Twinkies? Ho-Hos? Any Hostess Cakes? Cinnabon Buns? Yes, I've said this. I am now the CEO of Krispy Kremes. 
Krispy Kremes and Denny's. And now we will merge and we will have a Moons Over My Hammy made with a Krispy Kreme donut. Doesn't that make you sweat? <laughs> so James Keyes, on July 2nd, 2007, he was the former president and CEO of 7-Eleven. introduced a new business strategy that included enhancements to existing stores. It was not enough. Blockbuster acquired MovieLink for $6.6 million forecasting a shift to streaming video. MovieLink was an online video service that allowed customers to download movie rentals from a library over 6,000 films created in 2002 by five major studios, including Warner Brothers, MGM Studios, Paramount Pictures, and Sony Pictures, and Universal Studios. The move gave Blockbuster the opportunity to move away from unprofitable total access DVD by mail service in favor of online streaming Despite growing competition from Netflix and Redbox, the company downplayed the threat. So again, it was just all pride and arrogance, thinking that people are going to choose a brand. So it's this whole realization that brand men, like I only smoke Lucky Strikes or I only smoke Marlboro, like they're not addicts when it comes to choosing a movie or a movie service or I only eat honey baked hams. I'm a hostess man. Twinkies are the only thing. I pack a Twinkie in my lunchbox every day. And then I go with Kraft macaroni and cheese because that's the best and I'm American. No, they're going to go for, especially in times where people are hurting, they are going to go for whatever the value is, the cheapest value. So as we move forward, Blockbuster bought a number of retail stores from Choices UK. They're just a distributor of DVDs, computer games, and CDs. In February 2008, Blockbuster proposed a buyout of struggling Circuit City after a due diligence review of Circuit City's financial books. Blockbuster <laughs> withdrew its offer, and we all kind of know what happened to Blockbuster. They got liquidated and ceased operations. And right around this time, the recession hit. And mind you, Entertainment usually around these times goes up, statistically speaking, which is weird. People are looking to kind of drown their sorrows with any extra money that they have, not putting it away. We got to spend, spend, spend. We're America. We're America. And instead, Blockbuster did a Blockbuster Express video rental kiosk by the middle of 2010, hoping that they could overtake Redbox in some way, shape, or form. It had been claimed that more than 43 million U.S. households had a Blockbuster membership. Now, mind you, we are already past peak Blockbuster. We are heading down, down, down. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey guys, if you like to see us in the flesh, we have video highlights of our episodes we release on every Wednesday before the new episode that comes out Friday. As always, you can catch this podcast on any major platform you listen to podcasts. Please make sure to rate us five stars and comment on how you're liking the show. After school special podcast. It's this lady and she's like, hi, welcome to my vagina. After school special podcast. What robot pet starts out speaking a unique language but eventually speaks English? Gloopy? The fuck is a gloopy? Podcast comes out every Friday. 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 
On February 10th, 2010, Blockbuster announced that it would cease all operations in Portugal, closing down 17 outlets and leaving over 100 workers unemployed. Blockbuster representatives in Portugal blamed internet piracy and lack of government response to as the key factors to the company's failure in the country. Yes, blame every other avenue and blame piracy, except for maybe your poor business decisions. On May 2010, the liquidation of Movie Gallery began, eliminating Blockbuster's primary competitor during the same month, a dissident shareholder, Gregory S. Meyer, in an effort to be elected to Blockbuster's board of directors engaged in a proxy battle with Blockbuster's board alleging that the board had been responsible for significant destruction of value to the shareholders. Meyer was elected to the board at Blockbuster shareholder meeting in Dallas on June 24, 2010, but we could have very well had something as to a Toys R Us. And one of the scams that I had brought up before, more or less a company that is wanting to short another one and just more or less bleed it dry, and we don't know if this actually took place, but then you get someone in there from, say, this financial company that wants to bleed the company dry. You get them in there to make poor decisions. You start liquidating where you can, assets and whatnot, and to show that this company is failing with the times and they're able to pay exorbited amounts of money to their board and also to their CEO. The same thing happened with Toys R Us with KB Toys, a similar situation, but I don't know if this was the same thing. On July 1st, 2010, the company was delisted from the New York Stock Exchange after its shareholders failed to pass a reverse stock split. Planned on aimed at heading off involuntary delisting because of the stock's trading at well below $1 a share. So a little stock market stuff. So if you were trading below a dollar, which actually I have a couple shares that are trading below a dollar right now, you would want to do a type of reverse stock split. What a reverse stock split is a process by which shares of corporate stock are effectively merged to form a smaller number of proportionally more valuable shares. So say I have 10 shares at 50 cents. And then what I would do is, is take those 10 shares at 10 cents, and then you just put them all together for one share at $1, effectively a reverse stock split in a sense. It's a very dumb way of explaining it, but yes, that is basically it, to bring it above $1, but they were not able to do that. The shareholders would not do that. Blockbuster was unable to make a 42 million interest payment to bondholders and was given until August 13th, 2010 to pay off the debt. The company hired Jeff Stanga to be its chief restructuring officer to satisfy bondholder agreements and demands to recapitalize the company. After failing to pay on August 13th, bondholders gave Blockbuster until September 30th, 2010. They kept pushing it back and pushing it back. News media reported in August of 2010, Blockbuster was planning to file a prepackaged Chapter 11 bankruptcy agreement in mid-September. In light of this news, the company's chief financial officer, Tom Casey, resigned on September 11th. Never forget. He was replaced by Dennis McGill, former CFO of Safety Clean. Uh, so this is, they're trying to restructure. They're uh, more or less drowning and trying to get out. So they're putting people into different places. At the time of its Chapter 11 filing, Blockbuster said it would keep its 3,300 stores open. However, that December, it announced it would close an additional 182 stores. And by April 
2011 in attempts to emerge from bankruptcy. It was reported in February 2011 that Blockbuster and its creditors had not come up with a Chapter 11 exit plan and the company would be sold for $300 million or more along with taking over debts and leases. The conversion of bankruptcy filing Chapter 7. On March 1st, 2011, the U.S. Department of Justice filed a claim disclosing that Blockbuster did not have the funds to continue reorganizing and should liquidate. So basically the end of an era. And then you have Michael Kelly who replaces Keyes as the Blockbuster president. And from there on January 13th, 2012, Dish CEO Joe Clayton announced that while Dish had planned to keep 90% of the stores in operation, meaning around 15,000 employees would remain employed because of the market factors, there are ones that aren't going to make it and will close in profitable stores. So right now, As it stands, there is only one store left. So there were technically two stores. There was the Morley Western Australia stores, which closed in 2019, and then the Bend, Oregon store. The Bend location became the last remaining blockbuster in the world. It houses Russell Crowe film props, which John Oliver had donated to an Alaska store. John Oliver, as in the comedian John Oliver, who was on The Daily Show, and then last week tonight with John Oliver. I don't understand how he got Russell Crowe memorabilia from Gladiator, I guess. Because he's a real Gladiator fan, I don't know. And then, in August 2020, the location was listed as an Airbnb rental for 90s-themed sleepovers on three separate nights in September. Each were limited to guests from the area in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. The entity that operated Blockbuster prior to the sale to Dish remains nominally active under the BB Liquidating Incorporated and trades as a penny stock. Hmm, might want to buy that. However, it no longer has any assets tied to Blockbuster's brand or remaining franchise locations. In activity related to GameStop short squeeze of January 2021, hold strong apes and direct register your shares or whatever you're saying now. I don't know. Everyone on Reddit's insane with this stuff. The BB liquidating stock surged. So Blockbuster surged at that time, despite there being no value for the common shareholders in the bankruptcy liquidation process, even under the most optimistic of scenarios. Now we get into today. On July 22nd, 2022, the Blockbuster Twitter account tweeted for the first time in nearly two years with the message, we're back from the grave. Social media users speculated if the company was entering the NFT business based on the report from December of 2021. However, Zoe Guy of Vulture dismissed the theory, noting that the parent company of Blockbuster Dish Network refused to sell the company's rights to Blockbuster DAO earlier in July. And now... The most recent news is coming from September 21st, 2022. Blockbuster World Video Game Championship 3. The event was held during Portland Retro Game episode. So I dug a little more into this to kind of see what else is going on. And I went looking for on the actual site. And what came up was you type in blockbuster.com. We are working on rewinding your movie. I don't know what that means. And the fact that nostalgia lovers in general are becoming more and more obsessed with, and mind you, you know, we are too, but more obsessed with the nostalgia aspect. We do have a couple 
And I, I don't know exactly who does it, but these little video spots, it's, you know, like take a book, leave a book areas, like little makeshift libraries. Well, now there's little blockbuster rental spots that people are putting up around in Detroit, in Ferndale, in Michigan area, Southeast Michigan. And we're finding more and more of these popping up. I think because our generation got such a raw end of the deal. Now, mind you, I'm not skirting responsibility for some of the mistakes that we've made, but we are are obsessed with nostalgia. We are not the only nostalgia podcast out there. There are many other ones out there. And we all talk about our memories within regards to this. Now, I don't remember a lot about Blockbuster. I remember the story. I remember seeing the documentary on the last Blockbuster, which good for them. I would love, love to own a video rental store. But you have to look at it you know, like, are we becoming the society from Demolition Man? You know, we listen to the radio of old ads and whatnot. You're going to get like old Pizza Hut ads or old father and son, give us a call or stuff like that. And you're going to want to listen to them or be a part of that. But then there's also the part where people think that they're going to be able to make some type of money off of this. Like, oh, people want to rent videos again. God, I would love to take my kids to a video rental place and just pick up a video because you don't know what you're getting into. Now, mind you, with streaming, we get into the streaming access and we have everything to our fingertips and the convenience of it. Does the convenience of it make us lazy when it comes to this? Like, it was a one-stop shop. You go in there, you'd always have the one movie that you would always rent at least once a month. And let us know in the comments what that movie was for you. Mine was the movie The Ralph Baskey Wizards. Also, The Hobbit, the cartoon version of The Hobbit. We would always rent those because those were always my favorite. And then, you know, we get Die Hard and that's how I was introduced to Faces of Death because they'd always have that weird occult section, which was awesome. And they didn't do that at Blockbuster. Blockbuster was a Christian, Christian store. But the store next to my, I think it was Movie Warehouse. Then we go there, you could get laser disc, and I would love looking at the covers, the artwork that was on these covers. And you could get the whole description as to what the movie was within that cover and nowadays it almost looks like it's all the same you know like a dragon ball z cover is the same as a marvel infinity war cover look it up it, it actually happens marvel steals a lot of stuff from people i think the last bastion of hope for creativity within movie posters and like covers for movies is criterion collection now mind you a lot of these movies were there there was never part of it like a criterion collection of sorts you would go there just find a movie you know, a lot of the time we rented John Candy movies. We never really got the new ones because whenever you would go to the movie rental place, it was very rare that you could find one, but you're, you're sitting there, you have the two copies. So you have the cover that had the movie cover on it and you had the blockbuster one and you would open it up and a lot of the times they would be empty and it would say no more and that would always suck. It would bring you down and then they stopped doing that and so they just put it behind there. You would grab the copy and that feeling of grabbing the first one when you get there. This is probably the only reason why I'd want to grow up in the 90s because passive aggressive racism and all that stuff around then and just everyone thinks that, you know, like the 90s or the 80s or the 70s or the 60s or the 50s were the golden eras. Every generation says that. Every generation says that it's going to be the end of the world. That's from a Wilco song. And it just isn't. There's things that are in your past that are great and wonderful and you think fondly of them and would I go to a video rental store every single day to rent a movie? 
No, I wouldn't because it takes a lot of effort and I'm lazy, but I would love to take my kids there and be able, okay, you get to pick out a movie and you know what they're going to say? Well, why can't we just pick one at home off of Netflix or HBO Max or Disney Plus or Peacock or Paramount Plus or all these other streaming sites that end up costing you the same amount as if you had cable, but you don't get to watch any of the sports shows unless you're on Amazon and even then the shit sucks. I don't want to watch the Patriots play. I want to watch my Lions lose. You know what I'm saying? Anywho, video rentals or to have a store, I would love that, but... Does it make sense in our era? Let me know in the comments what you guys think, and we continue to try to put out the best product that we can. Mind you, I'm by myself. I have a little bit of an anxiety problem. It's okay. Love me still. Give me your love, latchkey kids. Become a part of the church. You are home with us now. Understand that you will never be forgotten again. Daddy's going to come and pick you up from school. You can take that however you want to. Please don't make it sexual. Anyways, you can find us on AfterSchoolSpecial.com. That's the website, AfterSchoolSPE3. That's the Twitter, AfterSchoolSpecial podcast on Instagram. I never remember the TikTok, but I think it's like AfterSchool3 or something like that. We love you guys. Don and John will probably be on the next one. We got to give Don a break and we got to give him a round of applause. Sweethearts and sweetums, broken homies, latchkey kids. Don been busting out these episodes like crazy and also editing John's episodes like crazy. Just want to say thank you. Thank you to both Don and John. These guys are my best friends. I just want to say thank you to the listeners, to everyone. And I think we're going to have an episode that comes out around Christmas time. We want to keep putting more and more content out there, but reach out to us. Let us know how we're doing. If there's issues with what we are putting out, we constantly are trying to seek your attention because we are attention seekers. Just tell us how we're doing. Tell us, you know, what you want to hear, the topics that maybe we're not aware of, possibly get more into the digging deeper into some of these old properties and whatnot to see the dark side of what's going on. Blockbuster was actually a front for lizard people eating babies and whatnot per Alex Jones. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, everyone. It's Aaron from After School Special Podcast. Like what you hear so far? But don't forget to subscribe and download the show on whatever platform you get your podcasts. And just a friendly reminder, we have new episodes out every Friday. Thanks for listening, everyone. Would I go to a video rental store every single day to rent a movie? No, I wouldn't because it takes a lot of effort and I'm lazy.